You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. Hope you are well out there. The interview subject I've prepared for you is John O'Colliver from the Melbourne outfit Dr. Colossus. The catalyst for the conversation is the band's new album for 2021, which shall see a release on the 26th of May. Now stay with me here. It is called... I am a stupid moron with an ugly face and a big butt and my butt smells and I like to kiss my own butt. No prizes for guessing what the band might have taken inspiration from with that album title there. But if you're still clueless, it's The Simpsons. So Dr. Colossus is a Simpsons concept or themed doom, stoner, metal, heavy groove outfit. All of the above. Awesome stuff, actually. Far from a gimmick, as I talk about throughout the opening exchanges or nearabouts of the conversation you're about to tune in. So let's get to it. Here he is, Jono from the outfit Dr. Colossus. Hey, mate. Hello, mate. Right on time, actually. Two minutes early. You get the award this year for being the most on time. Congratulations. Appreciate that. Yeah, I'm always... I'm always worried about being late, so I'm always a little bit early to everything. Same here, but you'd be surprised. Uh, big names I don't care about because sometimes they can be up to, you know, weeks late. But uh, what what normally happens is we organise these sorts of things and uh, with all due respect to people's capabilities on technology, they struggle with the old Zoom thing. But you, you, you're you clearly adept. You're not in that basket. Yeah. No, my life's living on Zoom at the moment, so I'm well and truly aware of it. <laughs> you're, in, uh, you're in Melbourne or Sydney? I'm in Melbourne. Ah, uh, yeah, good old Melbourne. Eh? We've just gone. We're about to go on. We are in lockdown now. Actually, yeah, I heard. Sorry to hear, mate. It's uh, yeah. Oh, look, I'm, it's my podcast, and I generally air all of my opinions. And God knows what people already know what I think, but it's just foolish. Should be surgical lockdowns. Can you believe what are surgical lockdowns? So the uh, Premier of New South Wales was locking down municipalities local council areas and not the entire city, yep. which are, which and Sydney is, there was some enormous statistic where Sydney itself is funding something like a quarter of the job seeker and job keeper program more. I think it was even a third just because their economy is still going and she, she's managed to get through it without locking everything down. But uh, it's political manner from heaven at the moment. If you've seen the Western Australian uh uh, political result where the Libs retained two seats. I think um, something unbelievable. Anyway, it was far worse than what happened in, in Queensland in 2011 or 12 with uh, Anna Bly, where they were down to about four or five seats. They've only got two seats over there because, uh, mate, this this fear porn thing. You don't want people to die, do you? Well, nobody wants people to die, but we also don't want our economies to crumble and for people to lose their jobs and for a suicide epidemic to flourish. You can't actually have one without the other if you've got saner people in power. But uh, unfortunately, we are uh, we uh, have a tendency to sort of ignore what bands and musicians need to do, which is play live. And uh, there's not really any end in sight, I don't think, at the moment, is there? Well, yeah, until there's a until that vaccine gets rolled out. Then I think we're um, going to be stuck in this loop for a little while. Indeed, mate. Yeah, Sadly. indeed. Yep, yep. Well, look, you haven't come on here to listen to me bleed on about the state of the uh, political world. Uh, look, first thing I want to, want to raise with you, uh, Jono, is that um, you guys are far from a piss take, which, to be honest with you, I was expecting, because the music's legit. 
And I'm a musician, so I tune. I do listen with the musician's ear. But, uh, mate, look, for someone like myself, old school Caius fan, Fu Manchu, this sort of thing, I mean, you guys are pretty much straight down the line with that stuff, probably doing it as well as what I heard those guys do. So please do take that as, as much of a compliment as I can offer you. Appreciate um, it. So, so that said, you, you're far from a gimmick, and I want people to know that. So why did you decide to use The Simpsons as inspiration? Um. Well, we love those bands too, um, and I think originally we were we, we were playing in different bands, and um, myself and and our original drummer Nathan, who's going to come up in conversation a lot, who's no longer with us, passed away a few years ago. He and I were were already playing in um, a few bands that were uh, of that kind of of that stonery desert rock sort of vibe. Mm. And this was just an idea to kick around at home and have like and have a laugh between us, um, and, and it was probably you know our third or fourth stoner rock band, and we were like, oh, we should just make this one stupid and for fun, and never going to do anything with it. It's just gonna we'll we'll make the stupidest songs we can, um, and and make it, you know, as as kind of. Um, heavy and and big and stereotypically named and originally it was going to be something you know big mammothy colossusy and colossus dr colossus was a character in the simpsons so we thought oh why not just take that name and and um and then the lyrics can all be based on episodes of the simpsons so it was it was it started as a as a serious band first but Mm -hmm. neither of us were very um Neither of us take ourselves that seriously. So the joke continues to this day. <laughs> I, I've been impressed though, mate. I've, uh, oh gosh, what's the song that I've been listening to? Pick a bar mm. that Miller sent through. And I've had that on quite a bit, I've got to say. Great hooks in there. It's uh, it's almost like uh, you, you write the songs, I take it, do you? Uh, we all, we're all pretty much writing now. That one's one that came from my original riff ideas though yeah and i write the melody vocal melody stuff for that so yeah that's one of mine so that's good so, that you like that one <laughs> <laughs> i've liked just about everything that i've heard because i've deep dived onto youtube because miller just sent the single track across to uh sort of gauge some interest there but um you seem to have figured out the meeting point like led, led zeppelin did between melody and that mammoth groove that you guys have got so do, is that something that's it's a difficult question to answer. I appreciate that. But uh, look, I go there anyway with these things, you know. Is this something that you've been inspired to do by listening to a particular band, you know, like the Zeppelins, the Sabbaths, this sort of thing, and the other two that I mentioned earlier? Or do you think this is something that's just within you and you just found a way to manifest it? Both, I think. And it's a good question because it's probably the fundamental backbone of what we're trying to do, I guess. Um, I always loved bands that were um, heavy but I also always loved pop songs as much as I tried to, um, you know, shy away from it when I was growing up and, and would never admit to liking something that was, you know, poppy and catchy. I would find myself constantly watching Rage when I was a kid and the dumb novelty pop tracks would always get stuck in my head. And whether I wanted to admit it or not, I think that was sort of forming what I wanted to chase out of, all the music that I was listening to. And I guess I had, uh, 
you know, like bands like Goat Snake that sure. are yeah, like lo- yep. low tuned, low tuned kind of um, sludge metal sort of stuff, sludgy mm. but melodic as well. Um, I I think when I started to hear that you, I can't scream or or um, rip my voice up like um, you know a lot of those sludge bands could, um, or like I Hate God or any of those sort of bands. I just can't can't do that with my voice, but those bands like Goat Snake and, and Caius to some degree, but I was never a, a huge Caius nerd. Um, those, those are the bands that I was like, oh yeah, you can actually still have a catchy hook and a catchy song and be heavy at the same time. So yeah, sometimes you, sometimes you go too far the other way and you lose your heaviness, but I think that's the line we're trying to straddle constantly. Yeah, and, and to be honest, mate, you never find it in terms of the, the, the ultimate end goal because it's fun hearing you guys, hearing you evolve and continue to chase the dragon, so to speak. So, look, when you're playing live as well, and I know you toured with Oakley Doakley, and I did have a chat to Head Ned a couple of years ago, whenever you mm. guys toured with them, obviously, whenever that was. Do, do people who follow you on social media, do they expect the outfits that say, the Ned Flanders thing, like what head the uh, the guys in Oakley Doakley are doing, like do they think that you're going to turn up like Chief Wiggum, that sort of thing? I don't really know what people expect from us at a live show. Um, I guess nowadays with so with social media and with any of the photos we're taking of ourselves, we 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 dress in the costumes and we don't really shy away from um, the visual reference to the Simpsons at all. Um, so I assume people probably hope to see that when they come to the show. And um, I think if, if people happen to be at a show we're playing and they've never heard of us, uh, it's, it's definitely a, um, you'd see a few heads in the crowd sort of turn and look and kind of like, what is going on here? Like this looks <laughs> absolute garbage, but I'm going to stick around and see what transpires. <laughs> It's great stuff. Uh, it's uh, I, I'm probably I'm gushing a little because I, I love Caius so much, which is I find it interesting that uh, you said you use the word you weren't a Caius nerd, but then I can also you're not copying Caius at all. But one of the I love John Garcia's voice, and I've had a chat to John a couple of times, so I've just got some insight into his personality, and and uh, I like him as a bloke too. It's always fantastic when you meet somebody and they're they're good people, and you've loved their music for years as well. But I think there's that. You talk about not going in that that death metal gravelly style voice because I think that'll ruin what you guys are trying to do here. Mm. So, has there ever been talk of bringing somebody like that in uh, at, at all? Like, not do like co-vocalist scenario, like a guitarist or a bass player who could do Pro- it alongside you? Probably not as a as a um, permanent member. Um, but and and I'll backtrack a little bit when I said I'm not a Caius nerd. That's not in any way being disparaging to people who like Caius. It's just that I don't, I, there's not a lot of Caius that I'm familiar with, you know, like some people are. So, you know, Blues for the Red Sun and then like a little bit of and the Circus. Yeah, I know what you're down. saying. There are some people who just go nuts over it. Aren't I they? kind of you dipped know? in and out of Caius a lot. They never really, I wasn't a, I wasn't a huge fan of the, like everything they did because I just, I just never really delved in. So, but that aside, um, in terms of screaming, I think we'd probably bring guest vocalists in for like certain tracks. And I and I, we've talked about doing it before. We actually, when we were touring with Oakley Doakley, Head Ned screams 
Um, and mm. so we did a couple of tracks and he jumped up and screamed on the top of it. Um, and that was the first time when we kind of got to test out that style, style of thing. But Mike, uh, the bass player, has also got a super gravelly deep voice as well. So he kind of does bring a little bit of gravel in with the vocal. And I don't know whether we would ever have a permanent um, screaming member. Mm. Um, like a lot of bands tend to have a melodic singer and a, and a, a heavy singer or, or yeah, a growling singer, but... I, I, I guess I've always liked um, I've never I've never really liked the when you're listening to a band like that the transition between the two becomes quite repetitive after a while so yeah, like you can predict it screaming verse a beautiful soaring chorus of melody and I just kind of I can't write songs that aren't repetitive if they stick to that I guess so yeah I don't think we'd ever do it but Maybe. God, you've talked about 90% of the metalcore bands out there, there I think, with the uh, the screamy verses and the melodic choruses. It's But it's, I'll tell you what, the kids still love it, don't they? They, they love that, yeah. that stuff. There's, I get so many new releases a, a week. It's slowed down a little bit, of course, because of what we're going through. But uh, there's still quite a few that come through. And I'd say any of these bands that making a visual judgment look like they're underneath the age of 25, they're a metalcore band and they're doing exactly what you're saying there. But... Hopefully they evolve a little bit beyond that because I firmly believe that's been done to death, that one there. Yeah, I can't. I don't, um, and I'm trying to be as like even-handed as possible, but I don't I don't resonate with a lot of that stuff. Um, I guess because I, when I first heard that stuff being done, it was bands like Linkin Park where when new metal was kind of burgeoning and the alternating vocalist was like a rap vocal in the, yeah. in the verse, sung vocal in the chorus with a bit of a scream. Um, and the other thing is I also just, I find it kind of, I've never liked bands that have two singers going back and forth. Um, I don't mind Melvin's where you've got two singers singing in unison as a sort of gang thing. And I don't mind, um, you know, uh, bands where one singer sings a whole song, another singer sings another song. Mm. I think as a listener, I just prefer to lock into one voice rather than, being thrown around back and forth too much. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think that's, I certainly wouldn't say it's a criticism that I've got of Mastodon, but it's approaching a criticism, no doubt, because I, I tend to, like you talk about there, I tend to groove on a dynamic. And when that dynamic shifts too much, it uh, probably detracts from, from something that I think is, is co- more cohesive. And uh, yeah, it's a great point you raised there. And yeah, just with the metalcore bands too, that's a genre that I thought, and I haven't made that link that you just you just made there. That's a good pickup, actually. That it did come from new metal, uh, where they were the, the clean vocal was a rap, and of course then it morphed into guys who were listening to Cannibal Corpse alongside of Linkin Park, and then of course you got some other guys that were listening to Weezer, who started yeah. to come in and uh, yep. swap out the Weezer for the Linkin Park, so to speak. Yeah, emo. Um, I guess the the there's a the punk rock kids did something around that era with. Um, as you say, Weezer, which is like proto-emo metal. <laughs> Absolutely. Or, or like rock. I love Weezer too. Um, but um, somewhere along the way, I, I don't, and I don't know why that why I slipped off that train, but I just, I, um, I, I don't even think about it that much. 
I'll tell you what, it's it's a subject that I can talk about for a long time, believe me, because Weezer were one of my favourite bands as, mm. growing up. I'm in my 40s, but Weezer, uh, I love the Blue album, but Pinkerton came out and just everything stopped. I, I actually would still say it's my favourite album of all time. Mm. But it's interesting. It's, it's a, I always thought it sounded a little bit shitter than Blue album, but the songs are awesome. Yeah, like it's got a, it's got a kind of a, it, it's almost more garagey than blue. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. But what happened there, I think, and this is my theory, and I've actually reached out to him to have a chat. Matt Sharplift. So Matt Sharp, being the bass player who also sang, and I think it did was responsible for a lot of the melodies. You yeah. could hear that big shift in songwriting after he left. So I don't know. I, I know that Rivers writes ninety percent of the music, but it's that someone going over the top for quality control that was missing. And mm. Scott, Shri- Scott, I don't rate Scott, Shri- Scott Schreiner as a melodic bassist at all, being a bassist myself. Yeah. Uh, Matt's just fantastic, and having seen the band when Matt was in it, I can tell you they were they were re- they were truly on point for a band in the mid nineties. Um, um, what was his? Have you heard his other band? Um, the Rentals, yeah, 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 yeah. That's I, I, I enjoy that band too. When when I met him in 1995, 1996, he told nineteen ninety six, he told me I was the only person in Australia that gave him the CD to sign. Oh wow. Um, I wish I had it to show you to you, but it's in a, you know, we've got cool CDs in nowhere near me at the moment. They're in a storage area somewhere. But uh, yeah, he scribbled something on the front cover of the sleeve. And uh, he and uh, the drummer, whose name escapes me at the moment, sorry, I remember it any other time. So they were both in the band. Uh, but Matt's still doing it. Can you believe it? Because when I contacted his publicist, I said, look, I'd love to have a chat about the new Rentals album. Oh, so shit. He's, still, he's still doing it, but it doesn't sound anything like it did on the debut. That's cool. Yeah, I'll have yeah. to check that out. Yeah, I think yeah. it's probably only that debut I've heard. It's kind of like a little bit Devo-y in t- at times and um, yeah, it takes like this sort of, um, yeah, that, that that thing that he had in Weezer and, and, and goes in a slightly different slant with it. Hmm. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he influenced Blur and a few other bands with that album, actually. That's why Blur in 1997 came out with that album with Song 2 on it. You know? So, ah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, believe me, that's a rabbit hole I can keep diving down. Uh, trust me uh, with that one there because I'm more known as the metal, my podcast, particularly with extreme metal. But uh, I've got a massive background in bands like Weezer all the way over to something which is completely different, like Level 42 mm-hmm. and a lot of the funk and disco bands because I've played in a lot of those sort of bands just to turn a quid, played covers and the like. So metal is just yeah. but one you know yep. of the things that yep. i listen to i'm sure i'm sure it's the same for you too though yeah we probably we probably share that in common yeah well i don't understand how people stay to one genre or one style it's uh i've never understood it because i'd i'd be listening to obituary and the next song coming on would be would be good times by chic mm. you know that's just the way i rolled man mm. <laughs> you know good music Mate, with uh let's just go back i won't labor the point with covid okay but i mean the reality is is that i think most of the venues are on hold in Melbourne, aren't they? Which uh, we're 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 going pretty good now. Um, so in the last little while, the the, the main restrictions to caps have lifted. Um, so we had a show not too long ago that was capped at two hundred, and that venue's just expanded its cap to three hundred. So it's about three quarters of the capacity. So restrictions have lifted pretty well. Um, and our mask mandates lifted now. So um, 
for now we're back in that zone of pretty free up and free ability to just wander into a show like normal but Hmm. who knows how long it'll last no, agreed. Yeah, that's that's the problem at the moment. I think for the venues and the bands, because uh, certainly touring's out of the question for you at the moment, isn't it? Doing anything like that, spreading the word. Well, we've got a tour booked for June, um, and we were we've been knocking back shows uh, pretty much the whole time. Before then, we uh, we had actually booked a tour, or an East Coast sort of run that was going to be around now. And um, we canned that about a month ago when Sydney um, was under again. Mm-hmm. So we've set it at June. We just pushed back to June and um, rather than kind of try and risk it any earlier than that. And all you can do is just shoot for the, shoot for the future and hope that it's um, hopefully it's going to be clear when you go to go to play shows. Yeah, yeah, and does that affect your your day job, so to speak? If you've got one, does that, in other words, like putting in for annual leave so they can do the short run shows? Well, we've all got day jobs, um, and we actually just book shows pretty much uh, to run on weekends. So it's not really a big deal with annual leave for us. Um, yeah, we're we're kind of getting um, old and cranky, and we're not in the we're we're not um jumping in the bus and doing like a hundred oh, gigs in a in a week. So we're um yeah most of the time we're flying out on a Friday and coming back Sunday anyway. Just knocking out three next week, knock out another three. That style. Okay. So yeah, it's not okay. too bad. It, it, if anything, it just opens up more weekends for us to spend with our families or whatnot. <laughs> yeah, I can't play every weekend like I used to. It kills me these days. The energy levels, isn't it? It's uh, you get to Monday and you feel like you've been hit by a tornado. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a good thing though. I, I, you get that warm afterglow feeling as well. Like if you've had a good weekend of shows and then you go back to work and you've got some shows under your belt, you're like, oh, doesn't really matter what the rest of this week looks like. At least we had a great weekend. But <laughs> yeah, you can't do it forever. Yeah. Burns you out pretty quick. I, I like your your social media game and also the video strategy that you've got too. So do you do you take care of all of that sort of stuff? I do. Um, yeah, we um, we share the social media a little bit, um, but um, and whatever. The, I'm I'm flattered that you call it a strategy, but um, <laughs> the clip was purely just um, the most recent clip was Ikebar, when, yeah. when we were we were all locked down, we couldn't get together, um, so we just needed to come up with a way of having some kind of a narrative that attached to the song that mm. that um. I spent months whipping away editing it together. I liked how you picked, I assume you picked stock footage there. Um, but what I find with a lot of stock footage is it's, it's modern, it's too current, it's too HD. Whereas I think if, if you picked a lot of HD imagery to go with and video footage to go with your music, it wouldn't suit. So you've picked some stuff which is fairly low def. And, and, and it works beautifully. I, I love, uh, for people listening, check out the video because it's this whole uh, thing about sending the band into space and using and using this stock footage of these astronauts and, and then superimposing. Is it face swap technology that you've used on that? Is that, is that freely available tech that you've yeah, used? Yeah, it's just that it's the app that everyone was using for a little while on their phones. I, yep. just saved off, I just saved off footage onto my phone and then re-uploaded it back onto um, editing software. 
Yeah. Well, it was. Yeah. It's good it fun. Was, it's um, good value. One of those situations. I got, got a little delay there. Sorry. No, good. Yeah, yeah. The internet connection is a bit potato, isn't it? It sort of cuts in and out occasionally. But uh, all could good be many. I'm not sure. I've got a pretty good connection here, but look, shit happens with Zoom. Um, you know, believe me, I've had far worse. So pressing on. Yeah, <laughs> no it's worries. good now. I think we're clear. Sweet. Yeah, because we've talked about it. You see, so it works. You know. Yeah. It's like, you know, when you've got a problem with your car and you take it to the mechanic and say, it's making this knocking sound and they drive and go, no knocking sound. What a coincidence. We broke the curse. <laughs> as long as it's fixed. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, what, I like going into this side of things because I do uh, a fair bit of video myself. Although it's just a, It just takes so long and I've got two kids and you lose your train of thought when you sort of go away from it. But are you using Premiere Pro or what's the software you're using there? I actually did it all in After Effects. Um yeah, I, so I'm a graphic designer by oh, trade, yeah. and um, I'm used to using After Effects for just um, motion graphic stuff, uh, and that was what I knew. So I probably could have done it in Premiere, um, and it probably would have made my computer not explode every time I tried to do stuff oh, yeah. in it. Um, but yeah, I just pretty much like anything these days. If I can't, if I hit a hit a bump or want to figure out how to do something and just YouTube tutorial myself to the end of it and uh, export it and Bob's your uncle. I do the same. I mean, it's the only way to get things done. And I'm always inspired by a comment that Rob Zombie made a couple of years ago on Joe Rogan's podcast where he talked about, forget about asking for advice, go ahead and do it and figure it out along the way paraphrasing of course, but it's been so inspiring because I've pivoted out of news media into uh, writing books biography specifically and uh i mean there's yeah. no there's no course you can take you've just got to do it and that's what i'm doing i'm in the state queensland state library at the moment writing i'm a resident writer in there with the uh um queensland writers center but the, the point is like i think you've just explained and i like talking about this sort of stuff because uh i think people think you've got to wait for some guru to appear to dispense advice and uh or, or take these very expensive courses which aren't really designed to do shit to be honest with you any my point is always that if you can't find it figure it out don't pay for it and i'm not trying to rip anybody off out of any urn here but it's just that there's so many tutorials out there that you don't have to pay for i i mm. premiere pro i've got probably 200 links that i i need to dive into with premiere pro in order to get better effects management this sort of thing but um you, you obviously had some training, though, and after that, it's just a case of, uh, like you say, you just sort of dive into the tutorials and figure things out. Yeah, I, I guess I've been using Adobe stuff, doing like layout and photo editing sort of stuff for a long time. And then I've also, on the other hand, been doing audio stuff when recording your own demos or pre-production or something like that. Mm. But I'd never done video editing until like a few years ago. Um, and then just I wanted to make myself indispensable at my job and i was like oh only way i'm going to do this is to just pick up animation and start doing it um and i found that it wasn't too much of it it was just like a combination of those two things like timeline based software that you'd be used to in audio editing or pro tools or audition mm. and then layer based image image layer frame um like photoshop yeah ways of thinking like a, yeah, yeah so yeah, yes, it, was, um, it was kind of a natural thing, but I don't even think it's something that I'm going to continue with. It's more just like we needed to do this for the band and 
like most of these things, it's just like, right, how do we do it? What's the best way to do it? Get it done, make it good, put some effort into actually like presenting it as best we can and um, not lose sleep on, on it and, and keep, keep hitting the next thing. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Great, great plan. That one there. Um, but uh, I've, I've had a chat to Miller, God, it was a couple of years ago now uh, with Black Reno uh, when those guys had a tour or a new release. I can't remember now, but uh, Miller's doing some pretty good stuff these days. He had Child Bite out a couple of years ago as well. I think he might have had some, I could be wrong, but I think he might have had something to do with Phil, for, Phil Anselmo as well. But, oh, uh, yeah. but, but you guys, how, how did you guys connect? Um, I just love a lot of the bands that he'd been working with, with Colt etiquette um and like uh like bands like the Amenta that i hadn't heard about for years and um uh i can't even remember bremelin bands like that i was like oh yeah had a chat to those guys here i remember them yeah i was like oh this is like um this is good to see these bands actually getting their stuff um kind of uh serviced properly now and like getting like out and about again because for a while I was into like I used to get into like the grindcore scene in Melbourne and there was so many like ripping ripping bands 10 or 15 years ago that would put out albums after that and just deserved so much more recognition um, and so much more widespread sort of distribution of even the news that they had new records out but bands like Mm -hmm. Captain Clean Off and they'd put in like when I first heard of those guys and was going and seeing them, it was just like, whatever they put out next is going to be fire. And then those guys are all sort of getting a bit older. And unless you go and want to go through the whole media junket and get your press release sorted and put all the effort and money into promoting it, those bands just put out an album and then it's like albums out and you miss like half the time I realized two years later, one of my favorite bands from back then's got an album out. So I, I'd seen, I'd seen cold etiquette start put press releases out for bands like that, that I loved. And then I was just like, well, let's give them a crack. Yep. Yeah. That's all you got, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, if they're, they're dealing with, I like how they're dealing with uh, Miller was dealing with bands that you liked. And so you, you felt that there must have been some synchronicity there that if they're doing a decent job for bands that you like, they could probably do something similar for you guys. Yeah, bands that I liked and also bands that I didn't think were particularly commercial. Um, like, shit, those bands are a hard sell to... Yeah. Even even to metal media these days. Um, and, like, uh, you know, there's some great stuff out there. And you yourself, as, a, as coming from a journalistic background, I'm sure you you see the same thing too. There's, there's still some great writers out there. There's still some great publications. And then there's just some absolute garbage that is um, purely based now around algorithmic kind of uh, lifeline. Like you understand how much can we mention Corey Taylor in an interview? And um, (laughs) like um, this guy, it's terrible. The guy from um, King Crimson and his partner, singing a cover and what is um robert fripp uh, and toya yeah it's terrible isn't it? and what does dave grohl think of that and like there's just like these loops that they all go in and it's like any wonder why people don't 
bother trying to go through music media to do anything anymore. Like, <laughs> I, a lot of unfortunately, a lot of music media has become like a lot of news media. It's it's basically activism editorials, and uh, they, they especially with rock music. I've got to say, which is just, I mean, it's I got over a long time ago trying to promote rock music and metal in mainstream publications because they simply aren't interested. It will just will not get a gig. Uh, you only have to read through. Did I thumb through the Rolling Stone or one of those types of magazines recently? There wasn't a single rock band that, you know, 30 second flip through that I could pick up. You know, when, when you've got um, Miley Cyrus and uh, Machine Gun Kelly, I think it was, being nominated mm. in the best rock category in the Grammys, you've got serious issues, I think, particularly when bands like you guys are around, around and, and it's just, I've done well over 600 interviews at this point and almost any of the rock and metal bands that I've interviewed would deserve to be nominated in some way, shape or form if they've managed to build a career. We talk about Caius and the like, but mm. we, saw what, we saw what the Grammys did with Eddie Van Halen, you know, a 15 second blurb with a guy who influenced just about all modern rock and pop. I mean, he, that's, that's how influential mm. Van Halen truly is. I think he's one of the absolute all-time greats. Um uh, for his originality and and his, and his influence, but rock music these days, man, it's um, and and then and then you go to the other side of it, which is the metal blogs, and I, you know, I, I can't I can't I can't stand them, mate. I mean, my stuff gets picked up on Blabbermouth all the time, but I'm sort of I've got a I've got an overall view with Blabbermouth that it can't hurt because it's still publicity for the bands, and I and I notice and I just hope that even if they they they've picked up some clickbaity article that kids or whoever reads is then inspired to go and check out the music rather than just read the clickbait article god knows as a percentage and i'm what that and i'm sure that there is good stuff that comes out of that like and it's much in the same way of like um when we were talking about you know a lot of um and we sound like we're two old white guys talking about bands that we don't (laughs) like anymore but that that um uh that sort of the the newer metal um metal core kind of world like you know i'm sure that there's a lot of guys a lot of kids that listen to that stuff and end up going on and exploring more interesting metal or heavier music or atmospheric um electronic stuff or just more experimental stuff um i'm sure there are a lot that trickle through um and as you say you know any of those publications if it gets in front of two or three kids that go Oh, sick. This is actually up my alley. Mm. Yeah, that's all you can hope for, really. It is. And I also think uh, one of the key reasons why I haven't pursued um, regular music journalism, particularly with extreme metal and the like, is the quality of the writing is just shit house. Yeah. And, it's and the questions, it's got, and the questions they're asking the bands are just so stupid, truly. Like, it's, there's no academic rigor associated with their approach. It's just to your point there about Corey Taylor and the, and the algorithm. It's actually that cynical. And, and, and part of me understands it, but another part of me says, guys, we've actually, there's got to be some thought leadership here. If you're going to start a blog, whether it's metal injection or what have you, you've got to have some, like, dive into the, to the tough topics. The reason why I know that they don't do that is because even with my interviews, I ask a lot of questions and uh, uh, people would ordinarily potentially find them fairly sensitive topics, but I still go there with the artists because 
God knows I'm a nobody and I'm only going to get this one chance to talk to them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this yeah. is the point. Go there. Go there. Yeah. And, and some of them have become mates afterwards, you know, just yeah. communicating. And But they appreciate that people are taking a deeper interest rather than what was it like touring with such and such a band or tell me about that on stage story, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. And the hard bit is it puts the onus on the person being interviewed because you've got to come back with more than one word answers. And that's like if you're fighting an uphill battle to add words to a one-word response, it's like any wonder people get exhausted getting interviewed by these guys. But, yeah, I guess it's... um. These people are scared of, well, they, they're, they're big organizations that own a lot of them. Like I remember like Noisy and Vice and those kind of big, mm, Yep. It, these journalists can't ask super hard questions or put their artists on the spot because it's going to reflect badly on the publication. They, they're going to get, you know, people who are the shareholders are going to get a bit sketchy on these particular publications are rattling too many cages all we want to do is just service the artist. You know, we just want to, we just want to um, appease the PR guys that are coming to us, the advertising money that's coming to us. We just want to get their, basically regurgitate their, um, their press release out. So stop asking these questions. Like, yeah, I guess people are scared to take risks and people are um, don't want to curate. No one says no to stuff. It's just like, if you pay enough, you'll get on and yeah. pay for an ad. We'll do a review for you as well. You get it. The people reading, for the most part, 90% plus don't get it, though. They just think, oh, this is interesting. This is an interesting story. And uh, God knows the amount of stories that I've read that have a, have a pretty good headline, I've got to admit, in classic rock or what have you on the Facebook feed. And you get in there and there's actually no story. Yeah. Uh, uh, one of the best, I think, at getting pretty good uh, insightful responses out of people is Eddie Trunk. Have you, have you listened to him very much? No, I don't know Eddie Trunk. He's uh, an old rock and metal guy in the States, a uh, big Kiss fan, so to give you an idea where he's sort of coming from. But he's still he, – he had uh, Tony Iommi and uh, and uh, Bill uh, – not Bill Ward, Geezer Butler uh, on today. I listened to it today, but it was released in the last sort of two or three days or so. And uh, he's not afraid to ask difficult questions to the point where I think he's pissed off Rob Halford who doesn't want to talk to him ever again. And, but I think I think my, my point is, and this is my media training kicking in, but look, if you're not pissing people off, you're not asking the right questions. Uh, and that's not to be rude or, or demeaning in any way, but there are topics. I've, I've just got to... Do you, do you know Cradle of Filth at all? The band Cradle yeah. of Filth? Yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm a, Nick Bar, no Nick Barker. I'm emailing him back and forth at the moment. He's, he's taken exception to something that I've said in the book I'm writing that I shared with him. So I'm just try, trying to iron that one out right now. But that's my point is that journalists have to do, we have to do this. We actually have to do the hard yards and be willing to, um, I didn't try to offend Nick in any way, shape or form. It's just a, a way that I frame something because, that he, he can't stand cradle of filth these days. And he wants me to reframe. Oh, something I see. Yeah. There. Okay. It's more about his personal brand than, than anything else. Oh, he, I think he, he's at a point now. What I notice, mate is that when these guys who, who've got a, a name like Nick does, when they hit about early 50s, well, the gloves come off. They don't care anymore. There's a mm. few exceptions, but I find that they might share a lot with me. And then after I've finished, they might say, look, please don't broadcast that. I've had to think about it. That's happened quite a few times, I've got to say. Yeah. Uh, and I will always honour that. But I'll also, uh, when I'm reaching out to people to have these, uh, particularly with that band Cradle of Filth, my God, you know, a band that's had 40 members over the past 25 odd years or so. Mm. 
most of them are, and certainly most of the that I've spoken to aren't happy. The ex members, yeah, and they've, they've got a story to tell, but it's whether or not they want to actually go on record with that story, which is where again, where I'm wearing my journalist hat and I'm going, look, there's a there's a big tale here, and there's some, there's a lot of things here people don't know, and you've been pretty much kicked to the curb in the media. Yeah. So well, this is your opportunity to have a say, but I won't goad people into saying things for a clickbait headline or what have you, because God knows I've never made any money doing this and writing the books is my opportunity. This is just the platform I use to obtain the, the opportunity to write the books. Yeah. I mean, and at the end of the day, you, you shoot yourself in the foot pretty quickly if you don't respect um, the wishes like to, to you know, anyone anyone with a regret of an interview and wants to wants to have it squashed then you're only um yeah you'll be you'd be quickly undoing yourself as a journalist if you started to just say oh stuff yeah i'm gonna put it out <laughs> i think it happens though man i, I oh, think sometimes ha- yeah, the, happen, yeah. the i've had artists tell me that they've said we don't want this out there and it's sensitive and, and it, it's even about about people who uh it might not be with us anymore, this sort of stuff, but people still print shit for the reason that you mentioned earlier, which is that it gets clickbaits, which therefore contributes to advertising dollars. But mm. you know, I hate using words like credibility and all of that sort of stuff because I think they've been manipulated by used car salespeople and real estate agents, you know, passion and credibility and integrity, all these buzzwords. But I think you've got to carry yourself truly with honesty is what I think it is, which oh, means yeah. that if you said that you would do something, do it. Yep. Okay, and no if matter you get asked a question, is. answer it. Answer it honestly. Yeah. How, how do you find the, the interviews? God, I've talked all about interviews and I'm interviewing you here. It's fine. I know my, my style is generally about conversational, as you can tell, but when you're being interviewed, uh, I assume through, because Miller's got, got a pretty, acts as a pretty solid gatekeeper, I imagine, in terms of the people he's sharing with you to have a chat to. Is that the case? Yeah. I mean, most of the time it's, um, we just trust, we trust him in this instance. Um, and I also, if I've got the chance, I've, I've checked out your stuff as well. Like I had to listen to your interview with LG Petrov. Oh yes. Um, which I understand was a bit, a lot like a, a bit of a throwback one um, that you'd put up after his passing. Um, and so I guess most of the time we'll, also take it on to to check out who's interviewing us before we go ahead and hmm. say yes um and we're, we're 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 equally as probably our own our own gatekeepers in that respect but miller seems yeah. to know what's going on yeah he does yeah there's there's him and i think he does work with dicey too doesn't he over there out west yeah um the soundworks guy crew they're fantastic i've done quite a bit of work with those guys just interviews and did some crewing for mayhem which is a lot of fun what their orange orange juice and salami uh brutal for all of those people out there that think that they're hanging out in the back there smoking crack cocaine and uh banging chicks or what have you mate i can tell you it's a very tame affair at backstage at a mayhem gig (laughs) (laughs) edmund t and hummus it pretty made hummus definitely. I was pretty yeah. sure I might have bought some orange and uh, uh, orange and apple and cinnamon. I think it might have been. I can't remember now. I'm just sort of making that bit up. But I'm, it was it was like that, and it was it was very very tame. And of course, then they go off there and scream blasphemies at the audience. Yeah. Very uh, very 2000. I think it was 2017 or 18 that happened, man. But uh, mate, I'll, I'll wrap things up because. Uh, but before we do, uh, please tell people listening where they can get in touch with your music and get in touch with you guys 
Good call. Um, if you if you go to probably the easiest is just through Facebook, Dr. Colossus the band, uh, or even Dr. Colossus the band.com. Um, any of those, um, if you if you look us up on Google, you'll find us. Um, but if you head to the website, Dr. Colossus the band, DR Doctor, the um tour dates for June are up there, and also the new album stuff info for the new album is on there too that was going to be my my, my addendum question that one there um because I, I did read the pr blurb and i wasn't sure whether an album was in the works or otherwise so was, an album is definitely in the can and we've got a new album out the 26th of may called i'm a stupid moron with an ugly face and a big butt and my butt smells and i like to kiss my own butt there you go yes so you go. uh you can pre-order it and um that pick a bar is the first track off that album. Yeah, I love the title, by the way. Uh, now that you mentioned, of course, I read that you had a new album coming out. I don't know why I didn't bloody clue that was the you case. Prob- your no, brain sorry. probably read that name and just blocked it. I, I might have. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was uh, off preservation. It might, I thought it might have been a slogan, actually, reading uh, it back now that I think back. But uh, yeah, and, and I love the other thing you had Jed t shirts up there. Nobody talks about poor old Jed. Yeah, oh, Gil. Gil, sorry, Gil. Yeah, <laughs> poor old Gil, mate. I mean, yeah. no, those yeah. are all like, that we've always we've always favoured those characters, of the forgotten. I, I love the t-shirt, man. I got to say, I love the fact that you've gone to that effort uh, and and you put that out there. So, again, for people listening, man, you should check out the merch game uh, that Jono and the lads in Doctor Colossus have got because it's it's quite something. It's up there with Macabre, you know, the band Macabre. Very much. <laughs> <laughs> I had a chat to Lance, you know, that he was a good bloke. I, I was actually thinking about Macabre the other day because I was thinking about the art house. I don't know if you ever got to the art house in Melbourne. No, I heard of it though, yeah. Just yeah. an absolute cracking little venue and I was reminiscing with a friend and I was like, I saw Macabre at the art house. I was like, wow, I cannot believe that. <laughs> I miss them. I miss them. I, I, I went through a period where I tuned out of a lot of music, just was focusing on career pursuits and the like and uh, – uh, that was around about that 2008, I think the tour was. I might be wrong, or it might have been later. Um, yeah, 2008 sounds pretty much right. Yeah, their new album is killer, man. If you haven't oh, heard it yet, sick. It's, There's another one. I'll I'll check that out. I'll add that to the list. Yeah, definitely. It's probably I've got to say, man. It's I love the old shit, but that's probably their best album. Uh, oh, cool. That's awesome. Like good enough for me to want to buy it on vinyl, which of course I found and did. So, uh, so yeah, great band, cracking band, man. Uh, but, uh, but man, thanks so much for the chat. Appreciate it. Great work too, by the way. You can tell I'm a fan. Um, and uh, look, I hope uh, I can sort of see you guys. Are you playing in Gold- Goldie or Brisbane when you come? Yeah, up? we're we're playing Goldie on um, the Thursday, the third of June at Moe's, and then yep. um, Friday, fourth of June in Brizzy. That's Mansfield down in Tav. Mansfield tabs closer to me. I'll definitely uh, go to that one there. Uh, there's a few. Yep. Yeah, I know some of the guys that put on some of the shows, some of the other shows there. So it's a good place to play, actually, Mansfield. Um, it's a good, solid awesome. suburban rock and roll, rock and metal venue. And Moe's is down in Burley, I think. Burley or yeah, Cooley, one yep. of the two. Yeah. Yeah, Burley. Yeah, sweet. Well, mate, I, uh, mate I'll, I'll, if I bump into you in the crowd, I'll, I'll uh, let's have a beer if we can or something like that. No doubt. Yeah, that sounds good. Everything. But, good uh, to meet yeah, you, man. Likewise, brother. Thanks so much for the chat. It's awesome. Likewise. Take care. Okay, mate. Catch ya. Yeah. See ya. 
You have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series. This indicates for the A-List Online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith. That interview subject was John O'Colliver from the Melbourne outfit Dr. Colossus. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening.